This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we did get some good news, some positive news that we've been waiting for all week. And it is a moment where we can all exhale at least for now i mean look these things you never know how it's gonna work out here but obviously a great sign where hamlin is able to communicate and of course the feel-good story did we win and all that stuff but you have uh demore hamlin um getting better which makes us feel better about having football games to be excited for this weekend i mean Obviously, the thoughts are still with him, and you want him to get fully healthy. And obviously, they take some time, and and you know what they have to do to to get him back to normal and all of that. But man, thank goodness that it seems to be headed in the right direction, and you can feel good if you're the Bills about playing this weekend potentially, or really any player it doesn't matter. Any franchise, obviously, all the teams in the NFL, first and foremost, thinking about DeMar Hamlin, so, and all of us as fans, because we talked about it earlier in the week, man, with the way that things were looking, and anticipating potentially things getting worse, how disastrous would that be, it'd be horrible, nobody would feel like playing or watching these games, so in just a couple of short days, you get a great update, and you could start to feel good about all right, you know what? He's feeling good. And, you know, his father telling the Bills that he would want you to go out there and play. Those are all exciting developments. And it sets up a big week 18 in the NFL. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton of talk and focus on Demar Hamlin and tributes. We're already, you know, hearing about the jerseys that are going to be worn, you know, in pregame stuff. And you've seen some fields being painted with the number three, um, you know, in, in tribute to Hamlin. It's going to be, and it was feel good too, where you had a lot of people donating a ton of money uh, to Hamlin's charity. It, it's for one, social media was actually used for something good, where people came together um, for Hamlin. So I, I think it's going to be a very emotional, very touching week 18 in the NFL as things will get wrapped up before the postseason, starting with two games Saturday, technically tomorrow, as it is officially a football Friday here on the fan after midnight. And you know, we'll get plenty into the picks and stuff like that. The perfect parlay will have the hottest picks in the game with Taylor Mathis. So there's a lot to do throughout the course of this five-hour show for you. But, man, it feels good. I'm excited that we can come on the air and talk uh, about Hamlin and the fact that he seems to be on the mend here and recovering and get excited for these Week 18 games. Now, as far as the locals go, you have the Giants who still have not decided what they're going to do. I think it looks like they're going to end up resting some of their guys. How that's going to look uh, on the field on Sunday, you know, whether they start and then get out of there after a series or a couple of series or a half, I have no idea. But you just get the feel. They haven't said anything yet. You just get the feel that the Giants are not going to go full bore against the Eagles this weekend. I think that might be a mistake. Again, not the end of the world. If it were me and our Brian Dable, I'd be looking to capitalize on that momentum after last week against the Colts. 
and be trying to go out there and compete and potentially beat the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at what has gone on with the Jets, and you know I know the Jets game is, as far as standings go, irrelevant this week. I know Miami needs the game, but I'm talking about for the Jets. See, they've been eliminated, so it doesn't mean anything. However, you know, you want to have a feel-good uh, to your, your finale and go out there and take care of a division rival and at least send them back into. I know Robert Sala is going to be wanting this one just as bad as any other one. Will the players follow suit? Who knows? And we'll find out if coaches will be fired or what changes Woody Johnson may make as you start to get rumblings that he may interject and all that stuff. But you hear the comments yesterday that I found, if not extremely irritating, flat out disturbing by Mike LaFleur. And I, on one hand, commend him for his honesty. Hey, you know what? In hindsight, eh, maybe we shouldn't have started Zach Wilson the way that we did. Maybe we should have had him sit and learn a year. But the other part of me is saying... No bleep, Sherlock. I mean, if me, little old me, Sal was doing this radio show and TV sometimes, if little old me can sit here and say, hey, he's not ready. Why don't you have a veteran quarterback start? Now, I was saying this before he took the field in week one. Just like, hey, you know what? If it were my team, I'd rather have a veteran starter and then groom the, the young quarterback, let him learn, then get the rookie in there. Eventually, after he sits for a little bit, and then transition to him. But then after watching him in week one, are you kidding me? After watching Zach Wilson on the football field in week one of his rookie season, I knew immediately he was overmatched. Get him off the field. How can you not see that? So there is a... A major problem within that organization that if little old me, little old Salagata on the fan on the overnights, if I can see that this kid is not ready, what are you doing to him? You're going to root him, sit him down. How come they couldn't see that? Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, LaFleur, Woody Johnson, if he's sticking his nose in the, in the football operations. Now, look, I understand as the owner, he's going to make hires and fires and, and all that stuff. But, I mean, my goodness, let the football people do what they need to do. Who's making these decisions? Who is torpedoing this franchise continuously? It's got to stop. LaFleur admitted it. They screwed him up. Now, it doesn't mean that it's over for Zach Wilson, and I'm not absolving Zach of all the blame here. Or of any blame. Obviously, he gets some. But how can LaFleur say that? Yeah, you know what? We probably should have let him. Dude, that's the whole point. You just made my whole point that I've been screaming about for two years. You ruined him. The number two pick in the draft, your premier asset. I don't care about all the other picks that Joe Douglas has made that are great. It's about the quarterback. The number one asset in the organization. Well, you know what? In hindsight, we probably should have let him sit and learn. You think? You think? That's what good teams would have did two years ago. 
And that is why I've been saying this week and a little bit of last week, the Jets need to go get Matt Ryan, assuming he gets cut by the Colts after the season, have him be the veteran that they needed two years ago and mentor Zach Wilson. I know it's year three, but you know what? The Jets are so far behind their own rear end, they have no choice. Infuriating. I couldn't believe it when I read that. I mean, I knew it. I knew that that was the case, but to hear them admit it, it was both refreshing and frustrating at the same time. Anyway, so that was the biggest takeaway that I had from yesterday. But you look ahead to Week 18, you know, we'll see what the Jets can do, who's going to compete. And by the way, we don't even know Zach Wilson may be starting, which if it were me, no. No more up and down, back and forth, dress, don't dress, benching, learning, resetting, rebooting, and then throwing him out there again. No, don't do it. I don't want to see Zach Wilson anymore. Not until next year. I don't care who you got to start. Flacco, whoever, let this be his swan song. If Mike White can't go, and it's seeming more likely that that's going to be the case. But a another tough year for the Jets, even in a year that was a lot of positive. There was a lot of positive, positive developments for the Jets. Even in a year like that, it ends in disappointment and frustration. And just know that there's going to be the idea of the Grim Reaper lurking for LaFleur, for Robert Sala, and that this organization yet again could have another reset. I'm not saying that I know that's going to happen. I'm not saying it should happen. I'm saying that it feels like it's a possibility that that could happen. Don't just assume, well, it's only year two and it's not right to fire Sala after two years. Don't just assume that because that may be fair, like you can't evaluate somebody after two years, that that's going to be the case here. Anyway, back to the games that matter. For the Giants, this is the final, you know, it's not even a tune-up, but they put the stamp on their terrific season a week ago against the Colts, clinching their playoff berth. We don't know how they're going to treat this game in Week 18 against Philadelphia, but it is their final, you know, final time we'll see them before it gets real where we expected they'll play Minnesota, but obviously that's not determined yet. But the final tune-up for the Giants before the wild card game in a week from you know Saturday, whenever that may be. Giants can play Saturday, Sunday, or Monday in the wild card game, obviously, as you know about wild card weekend. And then we could have some more fun talking about Daniel Jones in the postseason. Remember, anything that Daniel Jones has done prior to that wild card game is going to be irrelevant once kickoff takes place. Three, four years of football doesn't matter. Year one up, year two, three down, turnovers, getting better, running the football, getting hurt, staying healthy, dable. None of that matters. Ultimately, in this town, you get judged on what you do in the postseason. And Daniel jo- Daniel Jones, like everybody else that's come before him, will be judged by what he does in the postseason. And for the people who say that that debate is over, I think we've only just begun. Now, you can't debate whether Daniel Jones can win games in this league because he's already proven that. But there's another level to it. The Giants have reached stage two here. The Super Mario level two. They're in the playoffs now. Jones and the Vikings. What's he going to do in level two? 
win or lose. I mean, obviously, they go out there and win a playoff game. That's a great thing. Hey, look what he could do. Go out there and flop. I'm not so sure you want to give him that five-year contract anymore that people are calling and talking about. You know, the other thing, obviously, that came out of news yesterday in regards to the NFL here and the scheduling, that the, to no surprise, the Bills and Bengals game is not going to be played, and that game will be canceled. And the NFL has a bunch of options that are going to be discussed, I guess, today to figure out how they're going to try to provide a fair solution for the seeding in the AFC. And look, it's an unforeseen circumstance, an act of God, if you will, and it happens. And it doesn't really matter to me, fair or not fair. Like You just have to deal with it. Whether they play the championship game in a neutral site, however they work it out, it's as long as they play the games here, and as long as obviously Hamlin gets back to full health, those are the you know Hamlin getting back to full health. Full health is the most important thing of the situation, and then we want to get onto the football field and talk about the games. Then yeah, just playing the games where the AFC Championship game is doesn't really matter. I know Bills fans will be upset or Bengals fans or Chiefs fans. Hey, you got to deal with it. That's the breaks. And Goodell, to his credit, is trying to be fair and trying to do right by everybody, and not give anybody an unfair competitive advantage that they didn't earn. But that's, you know, it's unfortunate that that may be the case. You know, of all the games, think about it, of all the games to get canceled, that was a rough one for the AFC, for the landscape of the AFC postseason. But that's the breaks. Bills will have to deal with it. Hey, maybe it'll be better for everybody. Playing that game at a neutral site in the event that those two teams, you know, the teams that were affected by the game being canceled in the seeding, if they do make the championship game. But where it didn't look likely maybe a few days ago or where there were questions about the full slate being played or if it were to be played, how it would feel, perfect timing with Hamlin getting better, which allows us to start to get excited about what should be a fun weekend of football this week 18 as we get ready for the two best weekends in sports that will follow with the wild card round and then, of course, the divisional round. 877-337-6666. we got plenty of baseball to get to today, too. The Yankees make another power move, hiring away my friend and co-worker from SNY, taking Omar Aya. What a power move for the Yankees front office. And... What's the latest with Carlos Correa? Not looking good, according to the latest update, although that might just be a scare tactic. We'll find out as we continue to await or hear on a deal or another agreement between Correa and the Mets. Be the bull. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Kind of back on the fan on this football Friday. We'll have the perfect parlay coming up at 340. Taylor Mathis with the hottest picks in the game coming up at 3 o'clock. Fleeks, did you happen to see the tweet that Taylor sent out uh, on New Year's, the day after New Year's? I used it as a, as a promo tweet. You no, check, I did not. You, you got to check it out. Taylor is, you know, the hottest picks in the game. It's, we don't say that for... Uh, I mean, that's not by accident, but Taylor Mathis will be giving us uh, some of her props and all those picks that she has there. But 
Uh, anyway, check her out at TMAT Sports. Uh, she's been doing a nice job, and, and we've had fun having her on the majority of time this year, uh, earlier on. And then you know, started taking some Fridays off and the holidays. We haven't had her on in a while, so it'll be fun to get uh, her thoughts and her picks back coming up at 3 a.m. And, of course, your calls, 877-337-6666. Paul is calling from Norwalk. What's up, Paul? Hey, Sal. How are you? How are you, Paul? Happy New Year. You too. Happy New Year. Um, just wanted to chime in on this, you know, Roger Goodell decision. I mean, I was I was kind of looking at it from a sense where, you know, the Pro Bowl is in between, you know, the end of the, uh, you know, the championship and then the Super Bowl. And the Pro Bowl always, you know, obviously when I was a kid, the Pro Bowl was played after the Super Bowl. So, you know, why not take that week and push out the entire, you know, wild card schedule and, you know, instead of, you know, next weekend, you know, uh, you know, being a wild card week, make the Buffalo Cincinnati game that weekend, whether Saturday or Sunday. And, you know, basically every, all the other teams benefit from it, obviously, because they get an extra week off. But, you know, at least this way they play the game. Yeah, but why you know, Why can't you just accept that the game could, could be canceled? I mean, would it feel right playing that game anyway? Forcing that game in? What happened? I mean, you're not going to be able to watch that game without thinking of DeMar Hamlin. And I know well, he's doing the, better now, but still, and it, it just throws a, you know, to, to squeeze that game in and push things back. I'd rather them just, I think they're doing the right thing here. Cancel the game well, and pick it up where we left off and move on and, and deal with it with, you know, where they can play the AFC Championship game in a neutral site. What's the big deal? Well, the thing I was also going to say is that you could push the Pro Bowl game after the Super Bowl and make that game, you know, more of a, uh, you know, an opening to the point of, you know, uh, whatever proceeds are generated from that game go to some type of, you know, thing for No, you know, I, well, they should, they should be able to do that anyway. But the point is, when you look at it, Paul, why would they need to push everything back? You're going to push Week 18 back or whatever, Wild Card Weekend, Division around. You're pushing all that back to get one game in? Yeah, well, I mean, cause, uh, because of the unfortunate circumstance that like you know cincinnati buffalo uh kansas city you know are all all right but so what's the what's the big deal we'll see what happens after the results of week 18 and you know obviously bills and uh and Bengals are going to have one fewer game played than everybody else and we'll see what the standings would have been but what what do you think is the better path figuring out how to maneuver week 18 bills Bengals. Wild card, divisional round weekends, three weekends essentially of football, figuring out how to maneuver that for one game that decides, a t- that potentially decides a top seed in the AFC. Like, what do you think's, what do you think is, makes more sense to just continue to play the games as scheduled and cancel that one game and play that championship game potentially at a neutral site or figure out a way to alter everything and blow up everything and get that Bills Bengals game in? Like, it, do- it doesn't make any sense to play the game. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I was looking at it from a standpoint of saying, like, you know, at least this way, you know, the result gets in, you know, uh, you know, based on, you know, a played a played game because it's like anything else, you know, whether Buffalo won that game or Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati won the game, you know, it, it changes the outcome for, you know, 
You know, I know. I understand that. I, I understand that. But you can't. F- and thank you for the call, Bill. I appreciate you checking in. I understand what's at stake. Like, I understand what's going on. I understand why the game was canceled. And I understand why you don't want it to be canceled. You can't play the game. It's as simple as that. They didn't have a choice. You're not going to force that one game in with the idea that it's going to impact the uh, the AFC seeding. Potentially to blow up three weeks of football. Like, you just can't. It makes no sense logically. The better path is what Cadell is saying. Hey, we, we've given you, you know, five options or whatever it is that they have laid out to where they could have the game being played in a, you know, under under X circumstance, the game's being played in a neutral site. Under Z circumstance, being played in a neutral site. Like, they, they're mapping it out to where there aren't going to be uh, a competitive advantage or disadvantage because of that game being canceled. He's doing the best that he can with that. I'd rather deal with that than I would, okay, well, let's play this game on this Monday night and then push the wild card round back, push the divisional game back, uh, the divisional round back, just so we could get another Bills Bengals game in, like it, it, there's, it just doesn't make any sense. There's really nothing they can do. It's unfortunate. It's you have to deal with it for a year, just like they did with the pandemic. I mean, you think that that was ideal? Playing games in front of no fans the entire year. I mean, what's worse, playing a potential AFC Championship game in a neutral site? Big friggin' deal. Or playing games all year long with no fans in the stadium. Man, we've gone through that. Pat is calling from East Isle. What's up, Pat? Hey, Sal. How you doing, buddy? How are you, Pat? I'm doing good. Uh, just a, I'm very uh, so relieved about Demar Hamlin. It's just the guy when when he hit the ground on that field, he 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 died right then. And they, those guys who went out there and and administered CPR, those guys did an unbelievable job. And and not for nothing. The whole country stopped, and it was like the Bills were on their knees praying, and I believe like a lot of other people were praying for this, this young man. Mm-hmm. And like the best, well, not well, you know, he's not out of the woods yet. I'm, but the, the longer he went without hearing any news, I mean, I was under the impression it was only going to be really bad news, and it was. But I mean, agreed. Of, I think you know, I think a lot of people were. I don't think you were alone. Now we don't know, Pat. Right? We're just assuming what it's going to be. But you you. You're hoping for the best, but I said this the other night, you're hoping for the best, but based on what we saw and what we were hearing, you were kind of expecting the worst. So to you know, Absolutely. to hear the news yesterday, I mean, I, it gives me goosebumps. Uh, like you're, you're so happy and excited and relieved. Now, like you said, there's ways to go here still. I mean, to get him back to full health and to get him back to, to normal, if that's even possible, we got to still figure everything out. But... Very encouraging, positive signs in just a couple of short days is, I think, much better than anybody could have anticipated, given what happened. Just, just the, the, like, like you, like you said in your monologue, the whole country, like, could take a deep breath, it could you know, exhale. Right, like it feels, it feels okay. You know, when I did the show Wednesday morning, my first show after you know that happened. When I did that show, I didn't feel like talking about sports. I said it. like I just didn't feel good about talking about anything other than the health of DeMar Hamlin. 
And now, based on hearing some good news, I feel good again about talking about sports and excited about the weekend and football and very excited, obviously, for Hamlin and his family that he's starting to come out of it a little bit. So it just, and I think, I, I know I'm not alone. I feel like the majority of people feel that same way. We could all kind of collectively exhale and start to get back to being happy and enjoying things again. I think, the, like you said, the whole country was like everybody – was watching Monday Night Football. And that, that game, like, had all those ramifications, fantasy football, whatever. And then, like, for them to say, oh, they should, whatever. You know, there's no way they could possibly have played that game. Now, even when they said they're going to go, they'll be back in five minutes, I knew they were not coming back. I knew just from the reaction of the players, there was no way they were playing that game. That game was over. And, and, and football became secondary at that point. The, the, the young man laying on the field was, was like, it, it took everybody was like, I mean, I remember I, I was out in the restaurant. I was like, I said, I go, I, you know, could you imagine worst case scenario? What, what would happen? Well, like people would have been like, oh my god, like it wouldn't be able to watch, like some people wouldn't even be able to watch football anymore. It would have been agreed. Agreed. I was sitting there, and thank you for the call, Pat. I appreciate checking in. And again, I, I don't think I'm alone in this. I'm sitting there watching the game. I just so happened. To flip it on because my wife and I were watching, you know, it was my last night home with my wife. And I was like, sure, pick whatever you want to watch here. I'll, I don't need to watch the Bills Bengals game. I'll check out the score or flip it on, whatever, when you fall asleep. And my wife had, I don't know if she went to the bathroom or she went upstairs to take care of the baby. I forget what she was doing something to where I had a moment to turn off R. Kelly. We were watching that stupid new R. Kelly thing or whatever it is that, uh, you know, his trial and all that. So she went oh, oh, upstairs and I flipped on the game to check in, and I saw that play in the short period of time. I maybe saw two plays. Matter of fact, I was checking the score because I saw the Bengals went up 7 nothing, and I wanted to get a Bills bet in because I liked the Bills to win that game, and I was going to get a good price in-game. So I was waiting for the Bills to score. They kicked the field goal, and then I flipped it on when my wife went upstairs. I was trying to get a bet, and I was like, ah, yeah, whatever, I'll just leave it alone. And then I saw that play. And Initially, you know, you see the hit, and then you see the the guy collapse. See Hamlin just collapse, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, what the hell is that?" You know, you, you don't usually see that. You've seen head injuries and you know leg injuries and things like that, but to have a guy get up after making a tackle and then collapse the way that he did was eerie and it was scary. And then my wife came in, and then we we're watching it together. And I remember telling her like, "This is." This is bad because you know from watching games your whole life, that's not normal. You've seen plenty of injuries before on the football field. You've seen guys cartel off. You've seen ambulances come on. The ambulances come on the field and take players off as rare as it may be. It's happened. You get a little thumbs up from the guy laying on the stretcher. You know, you're worried about head injuries and neck injuries for the most part. Obviously, some could be severe leg injuries, but that was different. And you're right, in that moment, the world stopped and everybody was focused on the health of DeMar Hamlin. And nobody gave a crap about football. It clearly was secondary. There was no way they were playing that game. It was a, that's one of those moments that you'll never forget where you were watching that or when you heard about it and you flipped it on. That's one of those significant, you know, life-changing type moments. I talked about this the other day where, Throughout the course of anyone's life, you're going to have those moments. Some will be a smaller impact than others. Others will be 
big, if not catastrophic, whether it could be, you know, a, a child breaking their arm or uh, somebody getting sick or a car accident or whatever, or getting fired from a job. Like there are certain things that happen throughout the course of life that stop you in your tracks, whether it happens, whether you hear about it happening and it changes your life in that moment where you're going about your day, la di da di da and living life one way. And then boom, this happens and life takes a turn and it changes. Sometimes it changes forever. Sometimes it just changes a little bit and maybe could get back to normal. But those things, you hope to minimize those things throughout the course of a lifetime. Unfortunately, you can't control that. Well, this was one of those things that obviously it impacted DeMar Hamlin and his family more so than anybody else and his teammates and friends. But it also impacted us to where you see that and you're like, oh, my God. It changed the way you view things, at least in that moment. And obviously in the days after now, maybe by next week, you start to feel back to normal and he gets healthy and all is good. But if things went the wrong way, then I think you're right. Then, uh, I mean, I don't know what people would have done or how we would have reacted to football games. God forbid things went the wrong way with Hamlin. I mean, how could you justify it? Now, they would have played at some point, but it would have been an impossible situation. Look, no matter what happens in those life-changing moments that we all experience, it may change forever your life, but life does go on. And eventually life would have gone on, but I'm much happier talking about the the positive news that we got about Hamlin than the alternative. Eli is calling from Washingtonville, New York. What's up, Eli? Hey, how's it going? Uh, listen, uh, before I get to my Giants point, uh, I just want to get your, your opinion on... And I don't know if you know who Bart Scott is. Yeah, of course. Now, this guy said something on ESPN that I, I think it had me boycotting everything about ESPN when it came to sports. Because how somebody didn't hold this guy accountable for his words and, and you know, other people. Well, what was this, blaming T. Higgins? Yeah, that, that, that was idiotic. Like, that got me furious. What did he say exactly? Because I didn't, I mean, I saw the headline, but I didn't really pay attention to it. What did he say that got you all hot and bothered? Well, the thing he was trying to say is that D. Higgins lowered his crown and went into to Hamlin's mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that offensive receivers are, are, you know, are always protected, but the defensive player is not protected. That's idiotic. Like, even for you to be a football player, you know that the main objective it's for for receiver. It's to catch the ball, protect himself, going across you know the middle of the field, and because he's defenseless, because he's concentrating on catching the ball, to catch the ball, protect himself, and protect the ball. At no point did he make a football move to go directly into Hamlin's chest, and for him to come out and say this on national television, where I, I'm pretty sure that T. Higgins. Is it uh, uh, besides the, the the family of Hamlin and you know and probably you know his closest you know friends of the Buffalo Bills? He must feel the worst, right? Because you know he didn't do nothing but catch the ball and. and well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't hear Bart say it. I know we got a lot of uh, you know flack for that. I, I'm, if he's blaming T. Higgins for what happened, that's where I'd have an issue. If he's trying to break down 
what happened with Higgins maybe lowering the crown or whatever. I mean, it wasn't a dirty play. It was a football play. It was a freak accident. That happens. So I don't know what Bart's explanation was. And look, I like Bart. He's a good dude. I uh, run into him occasionally at SMY. Very nice guy. Um, uh, very down to earth, very nice guy. So, but I, I can't, I'm not standing by what he said. I don't really know what he said. Frankly, I don't really care what he said. I don't care what anybody else says. I do my show. I try not to get caught up in other people's opinion, but you saw it, Eli, and, and I know it's, uh, it became a story and if it bothers you, so be it. Yeah. I, I, well, I just wanted to get your opinion on where maybe if you watch it, go, you know, go mm-hmm. look it up in the internet or whatever. But well, that's, but that's Bart Scott's opinion, right? So I don't, or whatever whatever it was that he said, I don't necessarily care about it. Same thing, like, I don't care about that idiot Skip Bayless and what he says. I just don't get caught up in these things. I don't, why would, I'm worried about what happened on the field. I'm worried about the games that take place. It doesn't have to be this incident. It could be anything. Whatever happens, I'm not concerned about Joe Schmo's opinion. Now, some people say the same thing about me, and that's fine, but I'm here to give my opinion and my take on it, so I'm not going to turn somebody else's opinion into my show or my story. So, you could disagree yeah, with it. Just like, and and again, I'm not, I'm not blaming you for bringing it up. I get why you did. I'm just saying, me, personally, that's why I usually don't get into it. If you've noticed, I haven't brought up, obviously, Bart Scott, but I haven't even brought up Skip Bayless at all this week, where everybody else is. Right. Anyway, back to football. You know, just let's we prayed and you know, good things. Good. We heard good news from from the hospital over there. You know that even the doctor's saying that you know he could actually uh, get back to uh, you know with everything going well, he can even get back to you know as healthy as he got when he got onto the field. So that's good news. Yep. But anyway, uh, back to football. When it comes to the Giants, uh, I think listen, Daniel Jones. I think at this point. Uh, for me, he's he's proven that he that he's the quarterback of the New York Giants. I know that you know you, you said that, that uh, you know he has to prove himself in the playoffs. But what I believe is that right now, I can't judge him on that because the Giants didn't, I guess, anticipate this, where they didn't get him the tools that he needed in the in the trade deadline. Like you're talking about Hodges, James, and and. and Blatant, where there'll be three, four. Yeah, the receivers sing, but they but they've managed to make the postseason. The receivers sting. I get it, but they managed to make the postseason with that receiving crew. Right, but you know it's 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 good coaching. That's that's mm-hmm. mainly the, 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 the you know I think this game should be the coach of the year because it is good coaching and good game plan. Where you know it, it came to a point where. Barkley and Jones were the only offense on the team. Right. Playing smart football, good coaching, good game plan. You're right, Eli. It is about uh, Brian Dable first and foremost, and then about Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And thank you for the call. And it's funny that those were the two guys who a lot of people were talking about, if not everybody were were talking about, what are the Giants going to do with these two guys after the year? Dave Gettleman's top picks, Barkley, Daniel Jones. What's going to happen after this year when their contracts are up? And, oh, you know, the Giants going to keep them. Should they move on from them last year? Oh, it's going to be Barkley's going to get traded. Daniel Jones, why go with them again after, you know, watching three years of inconsistency, if not just not flat out not good enough performance? And those were the two centerpieces for this team's success. And really, not much else. Clearly, Dable, the coaching staff, obviously the offensive line has been significantly improved from where it was, you know, even to last year. 
but you have Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley thriving. I think one was kind of predictable. I thought Saquon Barkley would have a big bounce back year. Remember, with him, it's never been about his talent. It's been about his ability to stay healthy. And there's been some inconsistencies, you know, when coming back from an injury or behind a a bad offensive line, Barkley trying to do too much and dancing all the time. But Barkley was terrific this year. And Daniel Jones was a terrific quarterback for the Giants in Brian Dable's system. Now we're going to find out what this team can do in the postseason. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Got it back on the fan. I can't believe it. The Yankees hired my friend away. How are you taking Omar off of baseball night in New York? No, what a great hire for the Yanks. Isn't it funny how, maybe it's not funny, but isn't it refreshing how we've sat here and yelled and complained about the Yankees being too analytical and over the top with the data and the nerds in the front office and going after the same type of player every time, strikeouts and home runs and launch angle and all that stuff. As I'm watching uh, an SNY commercial right now, Baseball Night New York, uh, without me in it. I'm the host of the damn show and there's a commercial without me in it. What's going on here? Got to put that in the notebook. Talk to you, SNY. Get me in the commercial. Anyway, we talk about the data and analytics and how they're too reliant on that. And then they go out there and hire Brian Sabian, who, I mean, hard to find somebody with a better track record than his. Three World Series in in recent memory. And the guy who's more of a a scout uh, and less analytical and data-driven. And then hiring Omar Minaya as well, who's the same thing. Omar's a scout. And he talked about there being a balance. You need to have a balance. Well, Omar and Sabian can help balance out Brian Cashman and his data-driven, analytical, heavy front office. I think it's a great hire. You know, the Yanks haven't made a lot of moves this offseason as far as on the field goes, bringing back Aaron Judge, bringing back Rizzo, bringing in Carlos Rodon. Great. All of that's great. But off the, uh, the off-the-field moves, they've been power moves. And it's the it's the next best thing, maybe even the best thing, than having Brian Cashman fired. I know Yankee fans want to cash him out of here. Why? Not because Cashman stinks at his job, but because you wanted a new voice. It was time for a change in that front office. And Brian Cashman was not going anywhere. But change has still been made with Sabian and with Omar Minaya coming in. I absolutely love those moves for the Yankees. Now we need to see it play out on the field. 877-337-6666. Taco Frank calling from Hamilton, New Jersey. What's up, Taco? What's going on, sir? I forgot to ask you the other night, man. How's Sal Jr. doing? Your daughter having fun with him? Um, She okay. is is not yet. I don't want to freak her out with the analyst is over. By the way, Taco Frank, I am going to have, I can't wait for the 2023 baseball season. I've got so many songs in store. We're going to have so much fun this year. 
Frankie saw the commercial, the same one you must have just been talking about, because he, he comes up to me and goes, I think I saw a commercial for Sal's show, but he's not on it. Do you believe that? <laughs> Do you believe I saw that? And I was like, I don't want to be, you know, self-centered and egotistical, but I am the host of the damn show. Put me in a commercial, will you? Uh, that's classic, bro. Uh, great, great news on Hamlin, man. I'm sure you're going to hear that a hundred times tonight, but, it, you know, uh, it makes you feel a little bit better about moving on. And uh, I've got a, a, a maybe somebody already asked you this question, but obviously I think everybody agrees the game needed to stop. But what if that was the Super Bowl? How do you think that would have been handled differently? Do you think, I mean, do you stop the Super Bowl or like? It's a, it's a great question. We did the hypothetical last night where. You know, it's it's hard to do, Taco Frank, because you could have the hypothetical, okay, well, what happens if it happens again this week? What happens if it happens in the postseason? What happens in the Super Bowl? Like, God, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. Look, what happens if there's, we've seen this in the World Series, there's an earthquake, and what do they do? They postpone the World Series game. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It may seem unthinkable right now. You know, what happens if there's a pandemic? What do you think? They're going to shut down March Madness? Yeah, as a matter of fact, they are. They're going to shut down March Madness. They're going to shut down every sport. I mean, imagine that. So if that were to happen, I do think you would see, if it were the same severity, I do think you'd see a cancellation of the game. Yeah, it's just amazing. Or postponement of the game. The things we've seen the last few years are crazy, but uh, I got a few quick questions I want to run through you real quick. A uh, little worried about my birds with the Eagles here. Uh, who do you like in the NFC? Uh, I like the Niners, but I've liked the Niners all year, and now people are starting to get on the Niners bandwagon, which is getting me off of them a little bit. Let me see how this week plays out, and then I'll give my pick. But right now, I think the Niners are the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I would be before, but the Giants lay down, you think, this week? I put, It sounds like that's going to be the case. Is Hurts playing? I haven't seen that yet. I know he practiced, uh, mm-hmm. limited practice. The questionable is still out there. and I w- If the Giants end up saying they're laying down, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up just uh, just resting them and giving them that, you know, that and then ho- hoping they get the bye, too. But um, Another one for you real quick, man. Final week. I made it to the final week of, uh, of my Survivor pool, and I've got the Jags and the Vikings. So I, I can choose either one of those. Those are it's got to be one of those two games probably that I pick because the rest you know are games you wouldn't touch. You know uh, either one you got a hunch on. I mean I don't want to be held responsible, Taco Frank, for you <laughs> losing. You you're, made you're it not this gonna, far. You're not going to be. I'm going to hedge either way. So you know I, I'll I'll end. I'm I'm uh, you know it's house money at this point either way. But I got to go with one of the two. And you know of course I'd like to win. So there's. There's still about 60 people left, so. I would, me personally, of those two games, I'd probably go Minnesota because Justin Fields is not playing. And by the way, the Bears stink. I mean, even with Fields, they've been losing games anyway. But no Justin Fields. Um, I, I'd have, Minnesota needs the game, right, for seeding purposes. Because couldn't they uh, fall back? I believe Minnesota needs the game. Right. Uh, or I guess they could move up, potentially. Uh, let's see, yeah, because Minnesota could get the 13-4, and four, and I guess if everybody else lost, maybe they could move up. They're not locked in, bottom line, because we don't know if they were locked in. They'd be playing the Giants for certainty. So, anyway, Minnesota has something to play for, taking on the Bears without fields. I like that better than, I think, a dangerous Titans team Saturday night against Jacksonville. Gotcha. But that's me. Yeah, I'm leaning towards them uh Going towards Minnesota. Last thing, and then I just want to listen to you. I'm going to throw at you real quick. But uh, first off, that pick the other day you tweeted out was trouble. So <laughs> with uh, hottest with your, picks with in the game, Taylor Mathis <laughs> coming up at 3 a.m. You know she sent that pick out, and I was like, Taylor, 
Can I use that pick to promote uh, promote your appearance at 3 a.m. this Friday? <laughs> she now, says, sure. All I, I got two questions, so don't hang up on me, man. But when I saw you put that out there, all I thought of right away is, what the heck is Stewart thinking when he sees this tweet? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's all he ever talks about. So. Right. I got to hey, ask Stewart about that if he's familiar with Taylor Mathis. Uh, please do today, man. Hey, I flipped over from Doggy for a second today, and I heard your name mentioned. That I, I just want you know, I always got your back, so I wanted to make sure you knew this. But two things. First off, they were talking about the best moment. I don't know how that, why they were talking about it, but the best moments of Mike. So I wanted to ask you if you had one or two Mike moments. Who are you talking about? Courtney and Roberts are saying this. Yeah, but then the other thing they mentioned the they mentioned the Lakata name, man, and I don't want to say they ripped you. But uh, Evan got on you a little bit about this Matt Ryan stuff. He wants they both of them. They want no part of them, and they think you're nuts. And well, I, I, yeah. they, okay. So what did they say exactly? I didn't hear it. What did they say exactly? And I know Craig. Good. Craig is uh, Craig's my guy. So Craigie and just, I just that, just that he, you know, yeah. Like I said, they didn't rip you, but just about he's he's too old. He's washed up. You know, Evan was saying how you know you're an Atlanta Homer kind of deal. Right. You know, right. uh, so it's not horrible stuff. But I, I know I get you get it. a little. And then, and then you want the mic stuff. All right, I get it. And I appreciate the call, Taco. As always, good to hear from you. Um, first, let me just address the Matt Ryan stuff. I am well aware that I may be the only person who believes Matt Ryan will be the best fit for the Jets. And I've explained why. If you're asking me, is Matt Ryan the best quarterback to take this Jets team to the Super Bowl this year? My answer would, would be no. But when you look at... The options that are out there right now, when you look at what they have with Zach Wilson and trying to salvage that asset, the best option for them is to go get Matt Ryan. That's number one. I understand that it's not going to be a popular take. I'm going to be the only one who's saying it. I don't care. You think I give a crap what anybody else thinks? All due respect. I don't. That's why I'm giving my opinion. That's why I'm here. It's my show. It's my opinion. I'm not just going to follow suit and say, oh, yeah, Matt Ryan sucks. I've watched more Matt Ryan than anybody in New York. You should listen to what I say about Matt Ryan as opposed to what other people say about Matt Ryan. Because I know, and I admit that I love Matt Ryan and that there is a little bit of bias in there. I also admit that Matt Ryan is not his peak performance at age 37, soon to be 38. But I also know what Matt Ryan brings to an organization. And that is something that the Jets haven't ever had. Period. So you could knock Matt Ryan and think he's washed up. I watched a lot of the Colts this year. And it was not on Matt Ryan. Now, he wasn't great. But again, think of the circumstances. You're Matt Ryan. You've known one organization your entire career. You thrived there. You went to a Super Bowl. Should have won it. Went to a Super Bowl. You were the face of the franchise, an MVP. You're now leaving all you've known in the NFL, all the success you've had, to go to Indianapolis to do what? Get them over the hump. Year one, new offense, new head coach, new team, all the pressure in the world is on you to deliver. You don't think Matt Ryan was trying to do too much early on? Of course he was. Maybe that made some mistakes. The offensive line, not protecting for him. The Colts, not running the football well enough. Something that has been their bread and butter for the last several years. That's why they've had success. 
You add it all up, it became a little bit of a mess. They decide to bench Matt Ryan, and that's that. So don't just look at it and say, oh, this guy sucks, he's washed up. Take everything into account. Matt Ryan still got something left in the tank. That's number one. Number two, the main reason why I want him, he's the best option the Jets have to salvage Zach Wilson. I'll get into some mic memories throughout the course of the show. We'll go on uh, and maybe go over that a little bit. Did you hear any of that, Marco? Carton and Roberts are doing the best, I guess, the best of mic moments. Somebody else told me about that. Frances is no, I missed that. Have you ever met Mike or no? Yeah, I worked with Mike. Okay. No. Oh, well, you did some updates on his Marco Belletti. He actually said my name. Never, never, never Belletti. Yeah. I, I got, you know, Marco? I got Marco. Yeah, uh. I, yeah. I got it a couple of times. That's where you feel like you made it, right? He actually acknowledges that you're a human instead of, here's the update. Yeah, right. Yeah. He, I uh, I don't know. I, I still think Mike has not acknowledged that I'm, in fact, human. All these years <laughs> later. I know, but I remember the first time seeing those guys, like, in the Astoria newsroom. Mm-hmm. Because I've met them before as like a as a listener or a fan and seen them out of games and hey Mike can you sign oh, my really? picture? Oh really? Okay. Yeah. I remember, matter of fact, I remember one time. Here's a story that was off the year. Nobody would know this at the fan other than me maybe saying it. They were doing shows the 2000 World Series outside of Shea Stadium, mm-hmm. and it was a live broadcast. I want to say outside of right field, kind of when you get off the subway, you would come down and uh, you know right when you get off the seven train, you okay. come down near the ticket office, whatever. They were there doing shows. During a break, I'm standing there in the stands during the or in the in the audience, you know, on the, the street level there. During the break, they come down and mix and mingle with the crowd and sign autographs. Some guy, right to Mike's face, as Mike is sitting here signing autographs for everybody. Yeah, you know, you're really arrogant on the radio. I don't. I swear to God, right there. And now I'm right there looking like, oh my God, I'm Miami, my idol. Please sign this for me. And some guy, yeah, you know, Mike, you're really arrogant. You, you you talk nasty to people. Mike's like, you don't like it? Don't listen. And I and what I did was I went at that jerk. Hey, hey. <laughs> who are you talking to like that? It's Mike Francesa. Mike's like, don't worry. Don't worry. I got it. Hey, don't worry, kid. I can handle this. He just looks at him and smirks and says, you don't like it? Don't listen. As he's signing autographs, whatever. But I went to his defense. This is before we ever became that's BFFs. Tremendous. Yeah. That's that happened. I still have those signed things from Mike and the dog, but that's just one story. You have any other than the Marco? No, I mean, like I said, I you know I worked with Mike for whatever it was four or five years. Uh, I forget exactly the timeline. I've done some updates, so that was a big deal. I remember the first one that I did, and uh, it was during a break that I came in, so he didn't introduce me, but we talked during the commercial. You know, he asked me, you know, where we're from, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I had been in the building for like three or four years, but he had never actually talk to me before because we were never in the room which yeah. was awkward because you walk into the studio and you know these studios aren't big so you walk in and it's just the two of you and the commercials are playing what do you do yeah right you know like do you start small talk do you say hello do you introduce yourself like i didn't know what the hell to do so he was nice he broke the ice we spoke for a couple uh, 35 seconds and then i did the update and i got the hell out of his face well, one of my favorite ones was joey waller you remember that one joey waller this was on yes too you could see it Mike, uh, oh, Joey Waller, we've never, uh, what's your name? We've never met, never met you before, whatever. He's like, yeah, this is the, Waller goes, it's the Mike and the Mad Dog Daybot. Mike goes, uh, welcome. 
Dude, it fell flat while it was just, oh, the Mike and the Mad Dog Daybot. Oh, God. I cringe thinking about that. Fleet, do you have any Mike moments? Did you ever cross paths with him or no? Because you do mostly overnights. No, I worked with him a bunch before I did the overnights. I was actually working Mike's show the day that I officially got the overnight. So Mike was the first person here outside of Chernoff to congratulate me on getting full time. Wow. How about that? Look at that. He's such a legend, Mike. I honestly could write a book on some of the stories. Now that I think about it, one time I was running the board for Mike before he really knew who I was, and he called me out because I was wearing a jersey that I was saying was real. It was a college basketball jersey, but it was fake. He's like, they didn't have the names on the back of those jerseys. It's fake. And he started complaining about the company. The company sent me more jerseys. Like, they sent me. So, yeah, he was talking to, what's his name? Sal. He got him a free jersey. A Dikembe Mutombo Georgetown jersey they sent. Because Mike was complaining about it. I mean, I got million. I've t- taken a private plane back from Super Bowl 42. Your Giants beat the um, Patriots, Patriots in Super Bowl 42. Took that plane back with Mike and the dog. And dog on the plane the whole time. D- before the plane took off. Small Mike, Mike, the small little marquee jet, whatever. Dog on. Lunatic. Like, he was making me nervous on that. We have it? We have the Mike and the Mad Dog Day boat with Joey Waller? The, spa, oh, the Flash sponsored uh, by Audi. Joey Waller joins us here. First time he's been. Have you been on the show with Dog? I don't know. Have you, Joe? No, this is the Mike and the Mad Dog debut. Well, welcome. Here we go. <laughs> you know the best part, Waller? Well, knock your opportunity out of the park, Joey. You know what? And I would, I would venture a guess... Five to one. Waller's listening right now. Yo, is he? Oh, yeah. Oh, Waller's had some great moments, I too. I can't tell you how many texts I get at 3 o'clock in the morning because it's Waller. I'm like, how are you awake? One last one. I love Waller. I haven't worked with him in a while. But one last one. I was covering for the fan. They sent me to get sound, right? I didn't have to do anything. I just had to go hold a microphone in these uh, players' faces for the Knicks-Nets postseason series in 2004. Okay, I'm all excited. Oh, my God. Like, whatever. Yeah, Tim Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm there getting sound, and Waller's there for whatever outlet he was working for at the time. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea who he, who he is. And we're talking to Kenyon Martin, and Waller goes, Kenyon, what if something were to happen with Tim Thomas? Something about that, that with Tim Thomas. Thomas yeah. Yeah, what if Kenyon goes, what What if? What if this mother bleeping building fell down right now? And, and he just goes off on this rant. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> And I never, and Wall was like, oh, you know, like, what do you say to that? What if? <laughs> Get out of here with your what if. What if this bleeping building fell down right now? What if? I'm like, know, I remember that story. I remember that. I didn't, I guess I never put two and two together that that was Waller's question, but I do yeah. remember that. <laughs> situation. We always there for that. Yeah, I gotta write a book, man. Hey, come on. Forget just Mike moments. You got moments in fan history.